Hello, everyone. This is Russ Curry, episode two of The Road Scholars, walking the road less traveled with a little help from my friends. So this podcast uh, takes place uh, about 24 hours uh, after the first podcast. I know that I said I was going to do one a week, um, but a lot of things have happened in the space of that 26 hours. Um, and and, and it's actually, it's, it, it, it's good. Um, so my therapist brought up a lot of things today, uh, in our session. I'm just going to call her counselor, Troy, nerd out a little bit and go to Star Trek, the next generation. Um, she was definitely, uh, kind of a new agey kind of person. Um, and I think that we clicked right away. She specializes in, uh, post-traumatic stress and dealing with, uh, uh, trauma. Uh, so what I've gone through in the last couple of years definitely falls under the category of trauma, um, the divorce with Jennifer, um, breaking up with my girlfriend uh, because she decided that she wants to be with women. Um, but one of the, the overlapping topics today uh, that kept repeating itself was the topic of anger and my anger. Um, everyone that I've ever been in a relationship with, um, or, or friends with for a very long time, um, you know, the common theme is they say that I'm the angriest person they've ever met. Uh, I was watching um, the TV show Justified when it first came on, the very first episode. Uh, his wife says, or his ex-wife says, Raylan, you're the angriest person I've ever met. And that made me laugh. Um, it made me laugh out loud because it was, it was just really funny. Um, and then the Avengers... When uh, Captain America tells uh, Banner, now would be a really good time for you to get angry. And Banner smiles at him and says, that's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. I laughed at that. I thought it was great writing. Uh, It was just a really cool scene in the movie. Um, But as over the last two, three years, um, I'll mention the deep dive and looking into the mirror. The deep dive is me going deep inside myself and looking deep inside my own soul and my psyche and asking myself the tough questions. Uh, and as of late, the tough question has been about my anger. So that topic came up. Uh, it was one of the main topics of discussion today in, uh, with Counselor Troy, was my anger. So she told me to um, go home and do some homework. Um, she liked the idea of what I called the deep dive, and she wants me to focus on why I've been angry my whole life. And I can go back to... Gosh, my earliest childhood memories. Um, My father left. He left my mother and me all alone, thousands of miles from her family in Syracuse, New York, because he was an adulteress and he was an absolute bastard. I no longer hate the man. I am completely indifferent to him. But that was a source of my anger, was my father leaving us, leaving my mother and leaving me. I was in kindergarten when he left. But I remember coming home one day and... He wasn't, he was supposed to be gone, but I saw that his U-Haul was still there. So I hid in the building across the street from our building in the basement, looking out the window and watched him drive away. Um, And that's actually one of the fondest memories I have of my father is watching him drive away. I remember my mother crying in her bedroom that night uh, because her marriage had ended and she'd been left alone with a child going to a private school that she couldn't afford. Um, She was trying to go to school and she was working two jobs. Um, and I remember just the, the profound look of sadness in her face a lot. Um, 
so that kind of stuck with me. And that was a source of anger. Um, I was a black kid in a white community. So I was the only one of my kind at the Catholic school that I went to, St. Rose of Lima in Syracuse, New York. Um, I was picked on a lot because I was small. Uh, I looked different and looking different is just death to a young child uh, being different. Um, so I was picked on a lot. Uh, so I got to be kind of a scrapper. Um, and I got really good at taking cheap shots and learning to hit first and hit hard and hit, uh, hit harder and hit always. Um, friends across the hall, uh, Lee Howard and Janet Grant, um, they were kind of like a de facto surrogate family. Um, in 2015, uh, I was at Fort Dix, New Jersey for uh, Command and General Staff Officer course, phase one. And I was at Fort Dix, New Jersey, where I went to basic training in 1989 in the Army. And then I realized that I was only four hours away from Syracuse, New York. So for the first time in 35 years, I was closer than I'd ever been. Um, going back into the 2009 timeframe, I was in a, a conference, a National Guard conference with the general officers um, in Wyoming. And I had sent an email earlier in the day to Cicero County Sheriff's Office where uh, Howard, the dad, Grant, used to be the sheriff. Uh, I figured, well, it's a good place to start. I had no idea if he's still alive or not. I sent an email saying who I was, uh, that I'd lived across from him, and here was my number. Well, they called me back uh, a couple hours later, and I talked to him on the phone for like two hours, uh, and it was just really, it brought me back to my childhood to a happier time when I wasn't as angry as I was as an adult. So going back to 2015, I, I see them, uh, and since I, has, since I at this point was a combat veteran, and an army officer, uh, Howard was enlisted in the Marine Corps in Vietnam and Lee was in the, 80, the 82nd Airborne in the army. Um, so again, you know, we're all part of that, the warrior tribe. So we all spoke together as warriors for the first time in 35 years. Um, and Lee drove me around the town and then you know, it was one of those windows that I was able to reopen and go back and visit. And that's a very golden and rare opportunity to be able to do that. So I did that and I enjoyed it. And I'll, I think that I'm going back to Fort Dix, um, four through 16 June. And if I am able to go back to Dick's, I'm, I'm definitely going to open that window again and go spend some time with them, even if it's only a few hours. Um, so the lesson or the, the intent of today's podcast is to talk about anger. Um, so again, um, I'm walking the road less traveled with a little help from my friends and I've been in constant contact with friends. So I would urge you if you're hurting deep inside, you've got some emotional scars or life's just kind of dragging you down, um, reach out to people. Everybody's got someone. I mean, strike up a conversation with someone at a restaurant, you know, just reach out. I find that human interaction can greatly alter your mood. Um, I'm having to alter my behaviors now to get out of the funk that I'm in. Um, but it's hard it's difficult. Um, you know, as I mentioned in the first podcast, uh, this woman was, was my everything. Um, and it's, it's, it's really difficult. Um, like I mentioned, the, it's like she died. So my therapist today, and this is the first person in my adult life that's ever said this. You know, I, I told her basically the, the two-hour version of yesterday's podcast. I went into a lot more detail with her um, in, our initial, in our initial discussion. Uh, I, I told her about my past and military intelligence and, you know, how... I know how to bullshit a therapist, but that's not the point here. The point is, is that I'm 46 years old and I can't go through the remainder of my life angry. I just can't do it. It will take years off of my life. 
uh, and I feel it. I feel how anger no longer helps me. When I was a young man, being angry helped me a lot. It helped me cope. It helped me focus. It gave me motivation. Uh, but now, well, now it's just, it's tearing me apart and I don't like the way it feels. So I mentioned pain and suffering yesterday uh, in podcast one, and that's kind of a, it's a constant in life. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is not. And Frederick Nietzsche said, it is impossible to suffer without making someone pay for it. Every complaint already contains revenge. And that was me in a nutshell. If you slighted me, I was going to slight you back. I was going to pay you back tenfold with all of the hate that I could muster. 10, 15 years ago, had Jennifer cheated on me, I would have destroyed her life. I would have gone out of my way to make her feel bad for the rest of hers. But that's not me anymore. I don't want it to be me. I don't want that person to come back. I want to do good. Uh, When I first got my uh, job working for the Army Reserve, I um, was on a a website uh, by Eric Kirsch, former Marine, uh, counter-intel guy, phenomenal, phenomenal writer. I mean, his writing is just incredible. Um, uh, Every time that he writes, it just kind of knocks it out of the park. Uh, So I I sent him an email. Uh, He reached out to me by phone, and we talked uh, about my situation. At the time, I was still going through it with Jennifer, and we talked. And he said, hey, I think that maybe you should... um, I think maybe you should write for me, be, be a guest writer on my blog. And I was like, man, I, I'd love to, but I, I don't have anything that I could write about. There, there's nothing that I can think of that I would write about. And he goes, well, man, you know, you've been talking a lot about how angry you are. And I would just leave you with this and maybe it'll help you write something. I'll leave you with, in our tribe, angry is how we cry. And man, that one just, that one fucking hit me hard. It was like an eye opener. I was like, yeah. That is exactly right. And I've been mad my whole life, which means I've been crying, crying out my whole life. And this is off topic, but when I was with with her, my last girlfriend, I wasn't crying anymore. I wasn't angry anymore. I found peace. She gave me peace. And as my therapist said, first time in my life, that it's okay to be angry. You have a right to be angry at her. And that was kind of a fucking contradiction. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I told her, no, no, I don't want to be angry. She's like, you have a right to be sad. You have a right to be angry. You need to spend time being angry and being sad. I was like, I don't want to ever be angry with her. It's a choice that I'm making and it may prolong my suffering and I absolutely don't give a shit. I just can't be angry at her because for the 20 months that we were together, I wasn't angry and I wasn't crying. I was at peace. So if nothing else... I owe her that. So I sat down that night after Eric gave me a topic to write on. And, you know, if you're a writer and you know the pain of creating and writing, it's, it's, it's agony. You, you, know, you spill your guts onto the screen and then you rip it apart and it's shit and you hate it and it's awful. And then every once in a while, a writer gets lucky and they write something that is just phenomenal. And I don't know how many thousands of people actually read it, but some of the comments were just kind of, uh, were very uplifting. So this is from 2016, uh, probably about the same time frame as now. The anger. In my youth, I was considered to be an angry young man. It carried over into adulthood and was compounded by military service in the Corps, in the infantry, 
and further compounded as an intel officer in an infantry battalion in Iraq. Was I angry? Yes. Mostly it was people's perception of me, and I did little to dissuade that perception. It amused me. Why? Because life is fucking simple and humans cock it up. I will be honest. I liked war. I liked it a lot. War was simple. Don't die. War is brutal. It is indifferent to everything it consumes. But in its brutal brutality, it is beautifully simple. Humans make it complex beyond need. Occam's razor research adding nothing more than is necessary to solve a problem. War in its simplest explanation is simple. Kill the bastards. Life too is simple. Live well, be kind, do no wrong. Humans cock it up. Humans are inherently selfish and self-serving, generally speaking. But humans do wrong, with malice, all the time. Humans suck. We are capable of such incredible things, which are overshadowed by how fucking viscerally evil we can be. To paraphrase from Jack Nicholson, we, the military, again, generally speaking, believe in things like duty, honor, and country. Truly, those of us who are of the warrior class believe it to our core. A warrior is savagely loyal to the cause. Those who have been blooded in battle, triply so. I am loyal to a fault and it pisses me off. Is nothing sacrosanct anymore? What is the damn point of being a good and honorable man if no one cares and people just do whatever they want because Satan cites scripture to give them an easy way to self-gratification? The easy wrong over the hard right. Fuck that. I stand for something greater than me. If for no other reason than I'm a flawed man who tries to be good. I am a small man, quite inconsequential in the grand design of creation. We all are. Yet not all of us realize that. Do no wrong. I try like hell to be a decent man. I have faults. I've lied. I've cheated, stolen, and slandered. I've been a coward and generally been, as the cousins say, a complete bastard. I have repented and tried to do, tried to atone for my sins. I offered my life for my country and my brothers. War is simple. Don't die. I didn't die. I figured God and me were square after my last tour over there. Well, me and God may be square, but the universe simply doesn't give a fuck. Humans suck. Am I angry? Yes, I am. Very angry. Angry is how we cry. And there it is. There it absolutely motherfucking is. If I am angry all the time, then I'm really crying all the time. Anger is my shield from bullshit thrown my way. Discipline is my religion and bearing is the gospel according to me. I've drawn plenty of lines in the sand in my life. I've been pushed off the high ground more times than I can count. Yet as Littlefinger asserts from Game of Thrones, chaos is in a pit. It's a ladder and the climb is all there is. Often we slide further into the pit, but there is no choice but to climb. Do no wrong to keep the rage at bay and not light my path ahead by the bridges burning behind me. I tell myself daily, do no fucking wrong. Though slighted and trespassed against, do no wrong. There are two wolves inside me. There is Russ and there is Curry. I yield to Curry when Russ is weak. Rather, Curry just said, I'm taking over. And Russ, like Foxhole Norman from Band of Brothers, just nodded weakly and submitted to the dominant will. Curry is not inherently evil, but more so than Russ. He believes in wrong us, do we not revenge? I know this is wrong, but the desire to choose the easy wrong is so damn tempting, to unleash hate, as it were. If some men are born to watch the world burn, then is Curry one such a demon? Fuck it, why not? Do no wrong. Am I angry? Yes, I am. Look darkly upon Hector, swift-footed Achilles answered. I cannot forgive you, as there are no trustworthy oaths between men and lions. There can be no love between you and me. Before then, to glut with his blood, Ares, the god who fights under the shield's guard, now the time comes for you to be a spearman and a bold warrior. You will pay in lump for all the sorrows of my companions you have killed in your spear's fury. We must forgive, if for no other reason than to reclaim our own sanity. Forgetting is another matter entirely. We are told to write injury in sand and kindness in marble. 
yet words like a knife can cut both ways, for good and trespass. But what of the scars? They heal that way for a reason, to remind us, lest we never forget. I have a long memory, and I am angry, so very angry. Do no wrong. I've done wrong. I've been able to unleash anger and hate and wrath onto my fellow man, and it felt good. It felt really good, like heroin, meth, coke, and the finest whiskey mainline straight into the heart of my rage. War is a drug like no other, and the adrenaline dump is like no hangover I've ever had. War is simple. Don't die. Kill the bastards. Unleash the hate. Then bottle it the fuck up and suppress it. Yet it remains. Like the sludge and the pipes in the shower drain, it remains just beneath the grate. You know it's there. You can't see it. No one can, but we all know it's there. When I came home on leave from Iraq and went out in public in Santa Monica with my friends, they all had this look in their eyes. They were war groupies. But they looked at me like I was a feral animal. They were apprehensive, tiptoeing around the subject of the war. Fuck them. If you want to know, suit the fuck up and go to Haifa Street. Enter the food chain and roll the dice. No, I didn't think so. When we get home, we are expected to stay sweet, to suppress it. It has no place in polite society, yet the rage remains. Do no wrong. The anger remains. It flows through me as the blood in my veins. It's part of me. I can hang. I can control it. I have to. Because this anger isn't for polite society. We were like the natives who were tamed, part of society, but only tangentially. Civilians can almost smell the anger on us. It radiates its aura, and they recoil from us like it's a contagion. Do no wrong. I am torn between love and contempt, between the heart and the spear. I am hurt, and I am angry, perhaps angrier than I have ever been, but I've earned my anger. I am angry at so much, but I will do my best to rise above it and strive to do no wrong. In the shadows I remain, yet I am, after all, only human. And then I close this article with the, the code of the Knights Templar. Be without fear in the face of your enemies. Stand brave and upright that the Lord may love thee. Speak the truth always, even if it means your death. Protect the helpless and do no wrong. So I think that this was the point in 2016 when I began to realize that I needed to make a change. I mean, a fucking bold course correction in my life because I kept hitting the iceberg. I just kept hitting the iceberg over and over and over. And that's where she came in. Um, she, you know, I, I'd been out at sea, you know, in, in the rough waters and she was the light on the shore and I went toward her. And like I said, uh, being in her orbit calmed me. And for the first time in my adult life, I was not angry. When I was with her, everything was calm. She was my refuge from the storm. So even though everything was going great between us, I still started to read uh, deeply uh, into the Stoicism and the tenets of Stoicism and, you know, Seneca and Ep <laughs> Epictetus, <laughs> Rusticus, Marcus Aurelius, um, the Dokyodo from Bushido, um, you know, the way. And so I started journaling sporadically. Uh, now it's becoming more of a, of a daily habit and meditation is becoming more of a daily habit now. Um, so in the therapy session today, um, you know, I, I broke down the, the beginning, the middle and the end of the act that was my brief relationship with that wonderful woman. And the therapist um, suggested something that 
had never really occurred to me. Um, and it was, again, it, it was odd. Um, so I had that in my mind. And then um, some friends reached out. Uh, they listened to the podcast and they reached out and they were talking about their relationship and the ups and downs of their relationship. Um, and I, I won't use names. Um, it's not appropriate at this time. So the girlfriend, the fiance, excuse me, um, called me. Um, she appeared to be, you know, really moved by the podcast. Uh, and some of, the, some of the things that I said kind of spoke to their situation. Um, you know, they're very much in love, but they have an open relationship. Um, because we are all, after all, only human. Um, people have needs, and sometimes some people can't fill those needs, no matter how much you love them. Uh, which I think is kind of going on with uh, my ex-girlfriend. Uh, her desire to be with a woman is because there is something that I as a man cannot give her. I don't know what that is. And it just really tears me apart not knowing what that is. It makes me feel inadequate. Uh, but again, I am evolved enough as a man to know that it, it probably isn't me. I mean, it really isn't me. I didn't do anything to make her that way. She was always, she's always been that way. So it was suggested that I ask her um, if we could be in an open relationship. I was texting with her, or she sent me a text telling me that she read or listened to the first podcast and that she'd been crying um, nonstop since then. And you know, I, I told her that a uh, therapist and friend suggested that I ask her a question. I had a series of questions that I wanted to ask her, but they could all be kind of interwoven uh, into this one question. Uh, so she said, babe, please just ask me. And I was like, I don't want to be in your head while you're with her over your birthday weekend. And she's like, you're already going to be in my head. So, all right. So I asked her, I said, do you still love me? Do you still sexually desire me as a bisexual woman? And do you think that we could be in an open relationship so that we can still be together and you will still get what you need from this woman, but you will still get what I need. I will still get what I need from you and you will still get what you need from me. And she hasn't responded, but I actually feel better for having asked it. Um, this morning I was a mess. I was nervous about going into therapy. Um, you know, I was hoping that I, I was hoping that I wouldn't hear from her. Um, you know, people in the room, uh, at work, uh, noticed that I was down. Uh, I was just really in my head, um, and I and I couldn't get out. You know, I was stuck in the pit. I was ignoring the ladder. I wasn't climbing. I was just giving up. Um, doing the blog or the uh, the podcast last night helped considerably. Uh, it really did. Um, but this morning when I woke up, you know, uh, my my therapist called it a hallucination because I wake up in the middle of the night or early, early in the morning and thinking that she's still there or I picture her with someone else and it wakes me up. Uh, you know, she once told me that the idea, after we broke up the first time, the idea of me with someone else makes her angry. Well, the idea of her being intimate with someone else just hurts me because again, of just how much she meant to me in the last 20 months just how much he became the best part of my life. Um, not my reason for living, but she made me happy to wake up in the morning because I know that I was going to be able to talk to her. So the, the loss again, and I know that she feels it because I can, 
I can hear it in her voice. I can see it in her face when I see her. She is deeply troubled that she hurt me, and I know that she still loves me. And that really is the hardest part, knowing that there is a tremendous amount of love there, whether it's platonic or romantic. For me, it's still romantic. I'm still very much deeply in love with this woman. And the last few weeks have kind of sucked. Uh, they've been the worst in my life. I told Counselor Troy I would rather be in Afghanistan because that shit makes sense to me. Uh, but being a 46-year-old man, I know now that I can't keep going on being angry. I just can't. So for my therapist to tell me that it's okay for me to be angry at her and it's okay for me to be sad and mourn the loss, I just, uh, well, that became more perplexing. Uh, last night, I attempted to take a picture of us and the ticket stubs from our first movie together and some sand from our first vacation together, and I was going to bury it, you know, as, as a symbolic way of letting go, but I couldn't do it. I just I couldn't put it in that hole. I remember standing at my grandfather's grave watching them lower him into the ground, and I, was, I know that he was in there. Uh, I saw them close the casket, and I know that he was in there. And it was just something about the finality of him going into the ground and never seeing him again. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't let go. I couldn't just bury us. Um, so that was the first time that the thought entered my mind about asking her to consider a possible open relationship. It's uncharted territory for me, as is this. This is uncharted territory. This is the most devastating breakup of my life. With my marriage, with Jennifer, yes. I absolutely knew that it was over and I had plenty of time to suffer and prepare for leaving. But this, you know, everything heals in time. It does. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what she's going to say. Um, part of me just wants her to say no so that I can move on. Bigger part of me wants her to say yes so that I can at least still be with her in some way, shape, or form. Is that weak? I don't know. I'm entertaining the idea because I think that love is greater than hate and love is definitely greater than anger. But, you know, the idea of being alone just kind of doesn't sit well with me. Not that I can't handle being alone. It's just that I had the best relationship of my adult life with this person and the abruptness at which it ended. Just, I hate to sound like a child, but it just seems so fucking unfair. But anyway, uh, this is episode two. I'm going to wrap things up. Um, Road Scholar, walking the path less traveled, getting by with a little help from my friends. Everyone that's reached out, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And after next week's therapy session, next Thursday, I will record episode number three, depending on the homework that she gives me. I may do a couple of addendum episodes, just a couple of thoughts here and there to put them out. Uh, I'm not sure. This is still very new to me. It's part of my new process, so it's not yet become a habit, but I'm hoping that it will. And God willing, the God's willing, I will talk to you all later. Uh, we'll be working on doing a website and creating an email address uh, for the podcast in the next uh, few days. Hope everyone has a good weekend. Take care of each other and reach out to friends. You have a tribe. Use it.